Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your great love that you showed towards us in sending Jesus to shed his blood for us. Strengthen us, even tonight, by your spirit in our inner man. That we might be rooted and grounded and established in the knowledge of that great love. Knowing that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. Holy Spirit, help us to comprehend the depth and the breadth. The height and the length of that love. That love that passes human knowledge. What we could feel or emote or figure out, it must be experienced. We love you because you first loved us. To have a revelation of that great love is really the only way we could fully reciprocate. In the same manner, that love that you shed abroad in our heart by the Spirit of God. So we thank you. Help us to abound in it yet more and more, in all knowledge, in all discernment. That out of a great love for you and humanity, we begin to make decisions and discernments. Not simply through our intellect, but because of the great love that we have for you. Stirring within us. Holy Spirit, Grant unto us today a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Flood our hearts with light. Those areas of our life where the enemy has held fast to deceive or to keep us in ignorance and darkness. That you flood our hearts with light. That there springs forth an expectation of our calling. We might see it and we might know it like never before, being filled with the knowledge of your will, with wisdom and spiritual understanding, that your will might be done, those things that you have spoken over and over that we've not yet seen, that they would come to pass even in our generation. Open up doors of utterance that we might speak as we ought to speak, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us even now, in these moments of time, but we express them from a place of eternity, that never-changing, ever-vibrant, ever-the-same realm of the kingdom of God. We thank you for healing bodies. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies. Thank you for the miraculous at work in our generation, that dinner bell that draws people to salvation in your goodness. Oh, we worship you. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord. Give you all the glory and all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. How are you? <laughs> Man, it's already been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Hallelujah. 
Aren't you so glad that you're not in jail? Praise the Lord. Good to see you. want to welcome everyone who's joining us online tonight. Welcome. Glad that you're with us uh, on this great night of victory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, some will wake up tomorrow morning very sad and uh, depressed even, but not us. For we have the victory. Amen. Doesn't matter what color you might wear from a natural perspective. And Jesus has given us the victory. So we get to wake up every morning knowing that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, the number is up there. Once again, we're so thankful for your generosity and uh, the things that uh, really things are happening around the world. Uh, because of your generosity, people are being affected, and uh, we are just believing with you uh, that uh, this is a year of restoration. Somebody say restore. restore. Oh, come on, like you mean it. Restore. restore. Amen. The Bible just says, will somebody just say restore? Amen. And uh, get things uh, actively working. And so we've gone through a, a period of time where the enemy has come, and really that's just he's here for no other reason except to kill to steal and destroy, but Jesus came to bring us life and to bring us life more abundantly. And so in that abundant life, there's restoration of what the enemy has stolen or even endeavored to steal. Amen. And so when we catch him, praise the Lord, he has to uh, uh, restore seven times. Amen. So there's just something about that, something about catching him, something about knowing what happened. And we were praying on... Uh, um, I think it was Wednesday morning, uh, that just came up, you know, talking about freedom and stuff. And a lot of people, you know, Jesus sets them free, but they never did pay attention to how things got them bound up to begin with. That's right. yep. Amen. And so if we pay attention and we know how that happened and we actually identify it, we won't just be free. The devil has to restore seven times what he stole. So it's very good to pay attention to what God's doing. It's a good thing to pay attention, right? How did that happen? Where did that come from? Where was the door open? God set me free, uh, but now I recognize that we closed the door. ...that we have to give as a dead battery. For every opportunity that we have to give, Father, we command the blessings of the Word of God upon each and every giver. Uh, God, we thank you. It's given back to them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We thank you that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. All right, we got ourselves one bar, so uh, we better talk fast, get her all done, 
uh, get it taken care of. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to remind you. Uh, uh, that's all right. All right. There you go. Just give me a bunch of batteries and we'll, we'll make it through. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, all right. I just want to remind you, uh, not next week, but the uh, 26th. Uh, uh, Jim Hockaday will be here, and uh, we'll have miracle and healing services. So if you know anyone who is sick or needs a miracle, bring them, and uh, it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous uh, time that we have together. Just want to start uh, a couple nuggets, maybe, that will help you, and then we want to get into some things about the blood of Jesus. But, you know, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Praise the Lord. The Bible says uh, that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. And so we know everything was wiped away when we got engrafted into Christ. And so there is a place where we understand who we are in Christ, that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And right now the world, you know, we spoke about this a little bit this morning, you know, when things start to go a direction, certainly many times we don't see the, the strategies of the enemy right off the bat. He's subtle. He's been around for a long time. But we do know that the course of this world is dictated to or governed by the prince of the power of the air, the one who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so we've been born again. And so, you know, many times when sin gets to going, we see destruction. We see things that, you know, you look at and you're just like, there's some, it's just not right. The most people just say it's just not right. But as it subtly comes, and if we don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus and what it did for us, you will just naturally begin, because it's the course of the world, trying to emotionally figure it out or socially figure it out. And so even right now, there's a great deal of pressure upon the church emotionally to accept things and feelings, how we feel about things that are really pressing in on people. And so really, if we understand what the Bible tells us, and we do understand that we've been engrafted into Christ and we are His body, there's something that will help us uh, very much to understand and to resolve in our thinking and in our mind. One thing that's very important is we've talked about having a devotional time and getting into the Word. Because it's the Word, the engrafted Word of God that is able to save your soul. Right? And so when we get into things that are out there, and certainly there's a compassion on people, but I'm just talking about the end result so that we can initially settle it. If you can look at Jesus Christ as he walks the earth and understand his person, if it wasn't in Christ, it's not to be in his body. Look at sexual immorality, homosexuality, transgender. We look at uh, thievery. We look at alcoholism, drug abuse, all that stuff. And it'll, there will be such a pressure and go, well, how should we accept this? Well, there's an acceptance of people and love, but people are looking to uh, you to affirm that lifestyle. Well, that shouldn't exist in the body of Christ because it doesn't exist in him. 
So when we reach out, we reach out just like Jesus did in great love for people. They brought a woman out very angry, caught in the act of adultery, ready to stone her to death. Said the law says we should stone her to death. What, what do you say? And we're not really sure what Jesus knelt down and wrote. But whatever he wrote, uh, either the time that he took and didn't let him stone him, or what he wrote in the sand really impressed them in a way that they all dropped their rocks and they left. And Jesus said to the woman, where are those that condemn you? And they, she said, they're gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you, but rise up and go back and commit adultery. No, he didn't say that. He accepted her, he forgave her, but he said, come on, now that I've forgiven you, there's a brand new, different kind of life that you can live in following me, right? The woman at the well, Jesus said, you know what, where's your husband? She said, well, really, I've just had five men. He said, you've spoken well, right? He didn't condemn her. He accepted her, but he never did accept what sin had drawn them into, right? And so we get puzzled. We get puzzled and say, should we just uh, draw that in? Should we be tolerant of those things? There's an acceptance of people, but you cannot affirm the things that are not of God. So well, how do I figure all that out? If, it's not, if it wasn't in Jesus, it's not to be in his body. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on, it's just a simple way to look at it and go, if it wasn't in Jesus... It's not to be in his body. Well, so then how do we get this resolved? Well, we can bring people in uh, uh, to the church, but, but when they start to see what the blood has done for them. See, when they get their focus, when we get our focus off of us and our feelings and our emotions, we get our focus off of all the things that have happened to us. See, many times people are caught in those things because of devastating things that have happened to them. They've been crushed by things in the world and by people of the world, and they're just trying to find a way. And emotionally, they're just attaching to things that make them feel better or help them identify with something. And so it, as far as that goes, they're outside of Christ. There's a legitimacy. But when they come in and get their focus all, off of all that stuff and get their focus on him, and what he's done and that he's not the one who wounded them he's the one who has rescued them he's not the one that hurt them he's the one that has healed them he's not the one that destroyed them he's the one to make them whole and they see that and they get their eyes off all the other stuff and get their eyes on Jesus everything that you need to restore is in Christ and then we are engrafted into him and so there's a reflection and a revelation if we get that in the body not of condemnation but an embrace into the very life life of God the confusion leaves because the devil's the author of confusion and Jesus is the giver of life and so we as his body can't run around confused about these things because people pressure emotionally no we don't even have to be pressured emotionally as to how should I deal with this we love people but there's a deeper love than just saying well oh, then it's okay baby that you're that way no, I love you, and it's not okay. Something's happened that broke you. And I just want you to know the one that can put you back together like you were never broken before. And then we help them understand and see that. We bring them and we love them into a healing place and a whole place. But we don't have to be pressured to say we have to affirm all this stuff. 
We accept people. We love them with the love of Jesus. And in that love and the understanding of what Jesus has done, and if we have our focus on him, and we have our focus on what he's done for us, and we're not always confused and wandering about that, we'll have the greater presentation of the light that is in Jesus Christ. Come on. So there's just a lot of things. The enemy will just start messing with your head and your thinking, your emotions. And then he'll make you hard-hearted. That's what he wants to do with the church is go, we can't accept that stuff and make you hard-hearted. See, there's a place right there where we love people. And then we understand that sin has really ravaged their life. And they don't know that. We should know that. And we have a testimony. Come on. We have a testimony. That's what he said. He said, don't move with the flow of the world that was dictated by the prince of the power of the air. We all once went with that flow. Right? We all once went with that flow. There's no reason to stand up and go, well, I never went with that. You did go with that flow. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Even in Romans chapter 2, it says this, be careful. Be careful. Don't be judging people. He said, you get so haughty to judge people that you despise the mercy of God. He said, when you start judging and condemning people for where they're at, he said, you despise the mercy. Wasn't it the mercy of God that brought you out? Man, if the mercy of God brought you out, he'll bring them out. Huh? Come on. If the blood was enough for you, the blood's enough for them. They just don't know about the power of the blood. We do. All right. Praise the Lord. So, I got a lot of stuff going on here in my head, in my brain. All right, turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to wander around just a little bit and uh, then go home. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Just going to bring back some things, and then we, we want to just set some things in concerning the blood. Amen. We started this morning on the power of the blood, and uh, I've just been praying about it. had some things maybe for Sunday night, but I couldn't get away from the power of the blood. And um, hallelujah. So verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us. Somebody say for me. Come on, he consecrated it for you that you'd have access to the holiest. By his blood. For through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up a bunch of garbage, a bunch of hurt feelings. No, he said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin, 
So he connects this sacrifice of the blood of Jesus entering into the holiest of all, our hearts being sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, uh, confessing the word, and assembling together because sin is out there. So we should be bringing each other knowing how to overcome and walk free from sin. He said, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Jesus is not coming again to shed his blood. He's not, he did it. In fact, in the Passion Translation, one of the things that we're going to read, it said, when he comes again, it's not to do away with sin. It's to bring the full redemption. Come on. He's already taken care of sin. He said, so there, is no, there won't be another sacrifice. Don't be looking for that. If the blood ain't doing it, you better check again. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? Wahoo! This is the New Testament. So we should see and understand the blood. The blood is not a common thing. The blood is not a religious thing. The blood is so powerful. And even as we look at that, turn over to 1 John. So he said we should assemble together for the reason that the enemy would come and really try to lure us back into sin. But we encourage one another to love and good works. Because we shouldn't just be gathering together, finding out what Jesus has done, and then willfully living our life habitually the same way that we used to. There should be a transformation of life when we understand the power of the blood. And when we don't, we just continue in the same kind of life and quality of life, then it really treads underfoot Jesus. And it says the blood was just ordinary. It's no better than just, you know, going and getting some Bengay for your hurts. That's what he's saying, a common thing. Just go to the drugstore, get some ointment for your hurts. You know, just go ahead and get a pill for what ails you. He said, that's just common. But the blood of Jesus is not common. When you partake of the blood of Jesus, there is something so powerful in the blood. There's something so life-giving in the blood. There's something eternal in the blood. There's something spiritual about the blood. Not super spiritual of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 1. So here he tells us about how the church assembles together for a purpose to bring that, that further revelation and that understanding. And 1 John, John says this, 1 John chapter 1. I guess that won't work if I read 1 Peter. First um, John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was in the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sin. When we come together and we have fellowship with one another, and our fellowship is not just person to person, but our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. The blood of Jesus, the supernatural aspect of the blood of Jesus is flowing through his body, cleansing his body, not just individual members, but cleansing his body of any impurities. There should be something that when we come together, there is a, a really a flow. And if there's sin in the body, there's a repentance that comes on the body as we have proper fellowship in this time together with the Father and with the Son. As we have close fellowship with the Word and we allow the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the blood, that supernatural flow of the blood begins to cleanse out sin and restore us to righteousness, not just individually, but as the body. Come on, the blood. I believe there's a turning point moments, the church arising, something different, a point in time where people turn around and say, man, watch out, the church is arising. Wow, the church has changed. It's not just kind of peripheral to the world. Now the world is peripheral to the church. The church is arising in the glory and the splendor of Jesus Christ. They're rising in the glory and the light of the gospel, the good news of the new creation. The church isn't struggling. The church isn't wounded. The the church isn't broken, but the church is made whole by the blood. The church is arising in power and demonstration. It will draw in the broken. It will draw in the hurting, but the church itself is whole. He's coming for a glorious church, not a whipped church, not a broken church, not a, a sick church. He's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. How do we get that way? By the blood of Jesus. Don't for a minute think I'm talking about some kind of self-righteousness. No, there's a place where we're joined together and the blood has cleansed us and we know the life that we now live by faith in the Son of God and it draws people. It's a light. Isaiah said that there'd be a rising and a shining because darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but they'd be drawn to the brightness of our rising. So if they're not yet drawn, we're not bright enough. Because it's certainly dark enough. <laughs> huh? And so we made a run at it. <laughs> Thank God. We get a glimmer and we made a run at it. About 20 years ago, we called it seeker sensitive. And a lot of people had a, a, a really bad taste in their mouth about that. But you know, really the person who started that, I got to sit in a day-long meeting. It was a really long meeting. But to hear his heart. And really what it was is people are seeking Jesus, and he wanted to draw them. But he said, how do we draw them? And part of it, he said, well, we have to be a little bit more like them. 
We have to appeal to them a little bit more. And that was a good thing because there are people seeking for Jesus. But you can't be like them and draw them. They already know what that's like. He said we're, if we're light, but you also can't resist them. You can't put up a wall and draw them. You have to know when we're a light, we're going to draw them. And you're going to draw some people legitimately into the light, and then you're going to draw some bugs. Every bright light draws some bugs. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody that comes to the light is not going to be, you know, whoo, the light. They'll just swarm around the light because there's light. But there will be people drawn to the light. And so we want to understand the light and how we become the light. We can't do it without the precious, precious blood of Jesus. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I was really intending to get to these eight scriptures. I didn't get to this morning, but it ain't going to happen. I can already tell. First John chapter 5, starting in verse 8. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. The spirit, the water, and the blood. The spirit, the water, the baptism, and the blood. We want to talk just a little bit about this agreement and how the spirit of God and the blood work together. Hebrews chapter 9, once again, we touched on this this morning. But how many of you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? And so it's good to hear it. Hear it in different ways, different forms. We're going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all. Not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone was made our salvation secure forever. Somebody say forever. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, highlight that, The blood through the power of the eternal spirit. He has offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and to serve the living God. So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation will receive the eternal inheritance he has promised. He has promised to his heirs, excuse me. For he died to release us from the guilt of the violation committed under the first covenant. Says so Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God, so that those who accept the invitation will receive the eternal inheritance he has promised to his heirs. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14. 
says that we are heirs of God, right? We're sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, right? The Spirit also bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. If we're children or since we're children, then we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the Spirit bearing witness of? Spirit is bearing witness of our inheritance. How did our inheritance come to us? Through the blood of Jesus and the eternal spirit is bearing witness that we are heirs, not of condemnation, but we are heirs of this relationship with God as sons and daughters. Through that eternal covenant with him. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, or 13, excuse me. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 20th verse, says, Now may the God who brought us peace by raising the dead. Oh, wait a minute. I want to read this out of the New King James. Just sounds different. Sorry. Praise the Lord. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he makes us complete in him. For every good work to do his will, according uh, work in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight. Man, the blood of Jesus. How powerful is the blood of Jesus? So I want to read this to you. And I'm, somebody have this pair of glasses? Are these reading glasses, bifocals? What are they? Wow. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read out of another. I read out of one Andrew Murray book this morning. I'm going to read out of another one. I'm in the middle of about three or four books right now, and they are powerful. Uh, but I want to talk about this uh, uh, aspect of the spirit and the blood. This morning we talked about, wow. Well, this morning we talked about uh, really that word eternal and how that word eternal is so powerful in the expression of that word eternal. That, that really in time and space, it's always about increase and decrease, becoming and decaying. But in the eternal, it's not. In the eternal, it's the same. Well, if we can grasp that, it's the same. He said, in the eternal, there's no memory of the past for it's already been gone. So it's so easy to understand how he casts your sin as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. Because in eternity, if Jesus has forgiven you, it's forgiven. He's not going backwards. That's why his mercies are new every morning. They're the same exact mercy this morning as they were yesterday morning. Why? Because they're in eternity and they don't ever change. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
We're trying to figure that out yesterday, today, and forever in time. But he's trying to explain to us, Jesus is in eternity, has never changed. The power of his blood is in eternity, it's never lost its power. The action of the healing power of God, the life of God that flowed through Jesus is eternal life. It's the same exact life that was in Jesus that's in us. The same healing power that flowed through Jesus was because of the life of God, which is eternal. So it's the same healing power that's resident today. If we're not looking in increase and decrease and becoming in decay, we look into eternity, then there is no decay. We can tap into the healing power of God, the delivering power of God. He's working with us. But I believe this, what we'll read right here, may help you because uh, really... I love it because I've been praying about and asking some questions here that he goes into in the end. But anyway, just bear with me here as we read this. He says, we place emphasis on this, meaning the spirit and the blood. We place emphasis on this to show what rich comfort and blessing this truth contains for us. We must once again notice the two sides of this truth. The blood exercises its full efficacy through the spirit and the spirit manifests its full power through the blood we have here a glorious answer to the question that arise in the minds of seekers after they have received salvation i have no doubt that as a result of what has been written on the power of the blood of jesus the rich full blessing that is found in it that questions have arisen such as, how is it that the blood is not more uh, effective in my life? And how can I experience its full power? And again, is there any hope for a person as weak as I am and one who understands so little to expect that fullness of blessing? Anybody ever had that question? I understand the power of the blood. But why isn't it effective for me? He said, how am I supposed to get a hold of this if I don't really know all that there is to know about it? Listen to the answer. All you who sincerely long for it, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And it is his office to glorify the lamb and the blood of the lamb. The spirit and the blood bear witness together. The mistake we make is thinking of the blood as if it alone bears witness. We think of the shedding of the blood as an event that occurred 2,000 years ago and on which we are to uh, look back. That by the exercise of our faith, we are to represent it as present and real. And because our faith is usually weak, we feel that we cannot do this as it ought to be done. As a result, this mistaken idea, we have no power, we have no powerful experience of what the blood can do. Right? So we're thinking it was done 2,000 years ago. How can my faith work so hard to bring it present, but then my faith seems weak, and then I'm just feeling powerless to experience what the blood can do. He goes on to say, this weakness of faith arises in honest hearts from imperfection, uh, from, the Im- from, imperfect, from, <laughs> hearts, from imperfect notions concerning the power of the blood. If I regard the blood not as something that lies inactive, And must be aroused to activity by my faith. 
but as an almighty, eternal power that is always active. The blood is an almighty, eternal power that's always active. Then my faith becomes for the first time true faith. Then I shall understand that my weakness cannot interfere with the power of the blood. I have simply to honor the blood by exalted ideas of its power to overcome every hindrance. The blood will manifest its power in me because the eternal spirit of God always works with it and in it. He said if we get our faith active in the blood right now, that it's alive and it's working right now, and we can get our faith attached to that, the spirit of God always works with it and he works in that flow of the blood. Was it not through the eternal spirit that Jesus' death, his blood, had, no, had the power to conquer sin and death so that he was through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead? Come on, if it's eternal and it did it then, it has the same life and power now. And was it not through the eternal spirit that the blood penetrated heaven itself to bear its unique relationship to God the Father and to Jesus the mediator? It is through the eternal spirit that the blood continues to manifest its power on the innumerable multitude that is being gathered together. And it is the eternal spirit who dwells in me as a child of God on whom I may rely to make the blood of Jesus glorious in me also. Thank God I have no need to fear. In childlike heart, conscious of its weakness and wholly surrendered to the Lamb of God, in order to experience the power of his blood, the Holy Spirit will do his work. We may confidently reply, uh, re rely on the Spirit to reveal in us the omnipotent effects of the blood. But there is another difficulty. That's what he says. When we recognize that the blood is omnipotent in its effects, then we tend to limit the continuance of its activity to the period of our own active cooperation with it. We imagine that so long as we can think about it and our faith is actively engaged with it, the blood will manifest its power in us. But there is a very large part of life during which we are engaged in earthly business and we generally do not believe that during these hours the blood can continue its active work undisturbed. That's why many of us get excited on Sunday and by Wednesday we're having trouble. Because it's easy to think about when we're thinking about it. But it's difficult to think about when you're doing business. But he's got more. And yet it is so. If you have the necessary faith if you definitely commit yourself to the sanctifying power of the blood for those hours during which you cannot think about it, then you can be sure that your soul will continue under the blessed work of the blood. This is the meaning 
that the comfort of what we said about the word eternal and the eternal redemption that the blood has purchased. The eternal is that which the power of an imperishable life works moment by moment through the eternal spirit. The precious blood possesses the effective power of eternal life. The soul may with even greater confidence entrust itself to him for every hour of business activity or of particular rush and bustle. For the availing power of the blood will continue without hindrance. Just as a fountain that is supplied from an abundant source of water pours out day and night a cleansing and refreshing flow, so the blessed streams of this fountain of life will flow over and through the soul that dares to expect it. And just as the Holy Spirit is the life power of these omnipotent, ever-flowing streams of blessed effectiveness of the blood, so it is he who also prepares us and makes it possible for us to recognize and receive this provision by faith. Wow. Praise the Lord. Oops, sorry, Bucky. I couldn't see after I took them off. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we begin to see the power of the blood. And we start to recognize and know that faith in the blood. And we think, wow, what, what was I thinking? But as we start to put faith in the blood and the Holy Spirit of God, the blood is at work in all of its cleansing, in all that it's done. It's continually at work. If we'll dare to believe it for every single moment of every single day and not let the circumstances of the day begin to hinder us and get our faith off of what Jesus has done, all of a sudden that blood, that life source, that life flow, when we talk about resurrection life, it's through that blood of Jesus that we've been raised up. It's the eternal blood that though he died, he did not die because he was raised back from the dead because the eternal spirit was in the blood and the blood could not decay. The blood had to come back to life. Even so, that blood in us, we died to sin, but we're made alive unto God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, the power in the blood. It's time to not try to resolve everything in our life through emotion and through figuring it out and through social means, but to just come to the cross and understand the power of the precious blood of Jesus and allow the Spirit of God to cause a flow of that blood, to cause a cleansing and a relation to that blood. There's such a power in that blood. I can't, I'm just hoping that as we go through this that we can articulate it better and better. And I said this this morning, and we'll close after this. I mean, I know this is kind of a hodgepodge message. But I just wanted to start saying, you know what, there's stuff that's pushing in on us emotionally, trying to make us decide about things. But we're not to be squeezed into that mold, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. That in this day, in this hour, it's, it, it, it's incredibly important that we stay close to one another. And that the knowledge of the blood and the understanding of the power of that blood of Jesus is allowed to flow between the members of the body. Helping one another stay in that place of cleansing and righteousness so that we can shine bright to the world. And to understand that and to, to really think about it and say, well, it's all good. It's good on Sunday, but things happen on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we've all had that question. 
You know, I've prayed over and over and over again, you know. So many people uh, here are called into some level of ministry. I mean, we're all called to ministry, but, you know, years and years ago, I mean, it's not really changed that much. We're, we're navigating, but I remember a number of years ago, can't remember how many, I think it was even in our, our other building where we were meeting, a minister was here, and he called up people. Um, he said, if you feel like you're called into the full-time ministry, come up here. I want to pray for you. And 95% of the people came up. And I sat there thinking, oh, my God, wait a minute, this can't be so. You couldn't have called me to pastor. All these people called into the ministry. And then that minister said, boy, pastor, you have a, a job on your hands. <laughs> Come on, but there's a place where it's just flowing. But I've, I always ask him, I'm like, well, everybody in the Bible that Paul ministered to and stuff, they had to wake up and go to work. I mean, they were talking to people, not about everybody having a ministry office. They were talking to people about getting up and going to work and having an influence where they go to work. And why do we have trouble? Because we have to go to work. And it's because we lose track of what the blood has done because we have to focus on business and work. But if we can catch a hold of what he said right here, that even though when we are thinking about it, we begin to let the Holy Spirit have us have true faith in the power of that blood. That then even when we're not thinking about it, even when we're thinking about business, the flow and effects of that blood are working moment by moment, even in our business life, in our family life, in our social life, the blood by the Spirit is always at work. Always at work. So Monday morning we were praying corporate prayer. We got, you know, we just got into a place of, of praying. I think it was just at the very beginning. I can't really remember. I just remember the essence of it. I don't remember how we got there in prayer. But I do know this. We began to pray about the blood of Jesus. And the revelation of the blood. And as we were praying about the revelation of that blood. And the power of that blood. The people that we were praying for. I believe everybody. All of a sudden the lights became, uh, began to come on. A revelation of the power of the blood. And those who had, who had with all their hearts loved God. But couldn't really get free of sin. In their life, whether they had committed it or committed against them, all of a sudden a revelation came of the cleansing power of the blood. And it washed over. And in a moment's time, they saw they were totally cleansed. And there was no residue of guilt or shame. There was no more want to sin. No more want to. See, we have trouble with that. We get about to the middle of the week and the devil comes and we think we want to. You know, I owe my flesh something today. I really, you know, I've been in church three times this week. We owe our flesh just a little. We've given our spirit a lot. It's time to give our flesh something. You would never think of it that way, but that's how the enemy works, right? Oh, my God. Who do you think you are? You've been in church. 
You went to church twice on Sunday. You went to prayer in the morning. You went to Bible school on Thursday. Man, you owe your flesh something. You've been giving your spirit way too much. Don't raise your hand if you think that way. You don't owe your flesh anything. Isn't it funny how he addressed that? He said, the spirit of God dwells in you. You don't owe your flesh anything. Don't let the devil start telling you you owe your old man some good old times. Because the blood has cleansed you. And there's a revelation of the better times before you. Totally washed and totally clean. And as the cleansing started to go over, not just the flesh, but the mind and the hearts of people, man, there was a popping up and a stepping out like never before. No apprehension. The boldness because of the blood. So often we hold back because that, that thing in the back of our mind, who am I to share? And what if they don't accept? And how will I respond? And all of a sudden, all that went away when you're washed by the blood. It's all washed away. It's all made clean. So wait a minute, I believe in the blood, but I still kind of feel that way. I'm just saying. There's further revelation of the blood and the power of the cleansing, and the freedom, and the deliverance, and the healing, and the wholeness that comes by virtue, virtue of the blood, that in a revelation of that in that area of your life, it changes everything. And you will be empowered to step into a place with Him that you have never realized before. And the enemy hates the thought of it. The enemy will do everything in his power to keep you from getting a revelation of the blood. Because he knows that a pleading of the blood on the lips of a true believer is the end of any rule or dominion he executes over any life. The revelation of what the blood has done totally sets us free. And whom the Son has set free is absolutely free indeed. And those words are absolutely true. And in the mind of God, that day that you made Jesus the Lord of your life and you felt like the world was lifted off of your shoulders and you were absolutely free, that same moment because of eternity exists in the mind of God right now, no matter what's happened from that day till now. He sees you as free and how much the load is lifted off because of the power of the blood of Jesus. It's the enemy saying, no, it's not the same. You've come under trouble. You've come under a load. It's not the same. But in the spirit, eternally, it's exactly the same. And if we throw off that, oh, my God, that the devil puts on there, and we say, oh, my God, don't you be telling me that somehow this has diminished in my life. It's just as powerful today as the day I knelt before him and made him the Lord of my life. It's just as powerful as the day when I had that revelation. It's just as powerful because it exists in eternity, not in time. Come on. 
When he's saying there's going to be a latter days outpouring, when he says there is going to be a rising of his church that people will be drawn to, it won't be without blood. It won't be without a revelation of the blood. But when we get a revelation of the blood and understand that the blood and the spirit, they agree. Sometimes we get over here and we think, well, the spirit is allowing me to know the blood and the spirit agree. They always agree. Man, you want to have a spiritual life? Let him open up the power of the blood. You want to be free by the spirit of God? Ask him to open up a revelation of the awesome power of the blood. Glory to God. Again, I've read these things just just based on this, the revelation. So you would know that the Spirit of God is always working in a place, as he says, to be able to comprehend, to, to preach the power of the blood can be difficult. But the Spirit, not with our understanding, but in our spirit, without us really knowing it yet, begins to work the effectiveness of the blood as only he can do. So I ask you again, guard your Saturday nights. And before you walk through the doors, ask the Spirit of God, give me ears to hear what you're saying to me. Because the blood will work in any area of life and everybody's dealing with something different. But it doesn't matter if you're dealing with something different. The blood has the power to take care of what it is you're dealing with. And don't let the devil tell you, well, you're dealing with stuff and nobody knows and it's different. That's just the pride of the enemy. If you think you're so unique that you have problems that nobody else has ever had before. That's actually prideful. The enemy will think, oh, that's humble. you got a big problem and nobody's had that before. Nobody can really help you. No, the blood of Jesus can reach into anything, anywhere and make you whole. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? We want to pray over these prayer cloths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a back injury. Another lower back injury and hip. And uh, this one. uh, Praise the Lord. Some disease that I can't. um, Oh. He contracted West Nile and uh, is on a ventilator. Hallelujah. Stretch out your hands here. Pray with me. Father, we thank you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God, as we've been looking into your word concerning the power of the blood, we thank you, Lord. On the basis of the blood, our case for these where their back has been injured is causing them to not be able to be mobile. Where this one is laying there on a ventilator. We come to you, not because we're anything, but because you're everything.
and you poured out your life. And you allowed your body to be beaten, stripes to be taken. Brutal wounding of your own body. That you might declare. And even as we see in eternity, it was so alive in eternity when Isaiah said it. Hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus even came. Thousands of years before this time. But it's as alive then as when Jesus bore the stripes on his back as it is right now. By your stripes, healing, power, released. On the basis of the blood shed and the fact that you raised from the dead. That that power might be released into the earth. That power might be appropriated and applied by believers in this time. So we thank you for the anointing, saturating these cloths. That when they're brought to those who are injured and those who are ailing and those who have disease. That the healing power of God will go in and attack the very source and bring relief to their spine, to every nerve, tendon, ligament, vertebrae. Bring a healing and a cure that they might be mobile and without pain. For this one that has West Nile to raise them up 100% whole without any effects of that virus in their body, but totally 100% made whole. Raising them up strong, healthy, and whole. If they don't know you, God, release manifested power that they would realize that your goodness and your power has raised them up. They'll come to know you as Lord and Savior as they'll already have known you as healer. So we thank you. We praise you. God, we thank you for working in bodies in this room. As we've heard of that power of the blood that faith is arising in hearts. And in that faith in the blood, there's a supernatural change taking place, even right now beginning, until there's 100% wholeness and healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to us even those things that are beyond our comprehension at this time. That you're doing things that you can do even beyond our understanding because we embrace your life by faith. That in working that in us, you'll begin to bring knowledge to us that we might fully comprehend it. And in that vein, we can apply it every day in our life. So we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We'll say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds. Any damage done to me? Yeah. By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.